the Ghost Goal Podcast. Graham Potter's unbeaten run at Chelsea came to a fantastic finish this weekend as he went to his former club Brighton and got blown out 4-1. Meanwhile, Liverpool's troubling start to the season has continued with a second straight loss to a team in the bottom three at the time of kickoff as they lost 2-1 to Leeds United on Saturday evening. There were also impressive displays by Tottenham to come back from 2-0 down against Bournemouth. Man United to beat West Ham at home, and Manchester City to go on the road and win without Erling Haaland. We've got all that and much more to talk about. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 378. Javier, I know you're probably uh, chomping at the bit that I didn't mention your arsenal there, but uh, you should take it as a compliment that, uh, you know, a 5-0 drubbing of bottom side Nottingham Forest is expected at this point, so... Yeah. You know, it didn't stand out as much as the other results. Yeah, it was really, impressive, but, you know, really expected to, uh, at this point. Absolutely, we don't have to talk too much. I mean, you were joking around being like, ah, Javier, you're going to drop points, draw Nottingham Forest this weekend. But uh, you, you, were you were joking. You were joking. I don't, I don't think I said you were going to drop points to Nottingham Forest. I told you you dropped points to Southampton uh, the the day before it happened, and uh, that came true. But I didn't, I didn't make any claims like that with Forest. Uh, yeah, it was a very professional... Uh, get the job done uh, pretty early performance by Arsenal on that one. But we'll, we'll talk about them more uh, because we've obviously got the big ghost goal pod derby coming up next Saturday with that Chelsea, or sorry, next Sunday uh, with that Chelsea-Arsenal game. But let's start off uh, with the aforementioned uh, Chelsea side. Uh, I think, you know, the most notable result of the weekend, other than that Leeds-Liverpool one, has to be this this Brighton result. It's their first win under Roberto De Zerbi after having the impressive result of drawing Liverpool away 3-3 in his first game. They, they since have had three straight losses. And uh, like we said on our way too early predictions last week, uh, this one meant a whole lot to those players. And you could tell that they were just on it, sharp, right from the get-go. They were the more energetic side. And uh, they, they forced the mistakes uh, from Chelsea and were able to convert that we weren't able... Chelsea weren't able to convert the, the mistakes that we forced and, and turn them into goals. So... It was kind of like watching that that Leeds 3-0 away game from earlier this season. It was kind of like watching that all over again. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to watch this, but uh, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a, a a damning result. But I don't think the performance has me you know that that pissed off. I feel like it was bound to happen at some point. Uh, you know, we weren't going to remain undefeated for the rest of the, 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 like the season or anything. So, but it seems like everyone else thinks that this this is like. A really big deal. Are you one of those people? Um, I mean, I was surprised how easy it was for Brighton to cut through you guys. Um, I don't know if it was because tactically, you know, Potter. What did you think of the lineup? I mean, did you think he got it right this time? I mean, he played. Didn't he play Pulisic and? Uh, yeah, so he basically he played like super. Used attacking. the same sort of system that he used uh, in midweek the week before at uh, Red Bull Salzburg, where we won two one. Uh, he he didn't play like any recognized win- wing backs at those positions. He had Pulisic right wing uh, or right wing back and Sterling left wing back, um, and the, then he started in the front three: Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, and Connor Gallagher. Uh, I think the the midfield change is uh, like when, once we have Loftus-Cheek playing an actual midfield 
we're never really going to have a, uh, a either a heavy influence in possession or a great defensive shield from our midfield. And, and Kovacic was the other player in that midfield. Just to have Kovacic and Loftus-Cheek protecting that back three of Chalaba, Silva, and Kukurea, who frankly are you know, like the only players left available after Koulibaly and Fafana have had injuries. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it was the mistakes, and weirdly enough, the mistake from Thiago Silva to give the ball away for to Brighton, like in his own half, for the first goal. Uh, those doomed us, and then like the, just having bad luck with the Loftus Cheek own goal. I think that was more so bad luck than Chalaba's own goal. Like we just let Matoma get in down the left, and then when Chalaba tried to block it, it went off him and into his own goal. That that's more of a forced own goal by Brighton that I think they deserve credit for. The Loftus Cheek one, just a corner that bounced off his knee and went top corner. Like when that happened, I was just like, all right, we're probably not winning today. The best we can hope for is, you know, maybe score once before halftime, which we certainly could have done. We had a couple of really good chances from Havertz and Gallagher that we couldn't score. Um, and, and maybe we could have nicked a draw from there, but wasn't meant to be. And frankly, Brighton deserve it. They were uh, they pressed very high and uh, took advantage of the you know mistakes that we made and we couldn't pull it off the other way. So. I'm, Raheem uh, Sterling I'm quite, was, was was just trash. He was not good at all in that position. I, he needs to be yeah, that's f- one further of the gripes up the pitch. I have. I, I didn't understand why. I mean, I know Kai Havertz just scored the goal at uh, Salzburg last week, which was a great winner. But I feel like you could have you could have played either Aubameyang or Per Sterling up into the front three and played Chilwell at left wing back. Like Chilwell was rested during that Salzburg game. He was fit, available came on eventually and was you know and did well but uh yeah i i just haven't understood that and i haven't understood this insistence to you know play the three at the back with all of these attacking players just lumped in front of them like you, you got to give players like silva Chalaba, he loved and playing Kukurea trossard at cover. left wing back too he'd play yeah. trossard yeah, at but- like left and right wing back and like he would do the same at, at brighton he would use his and like we're seeing now trossard further up the pitch um, and it, it's you know he looks like a much more dangerous player when he doesn't have to track back and do the the defensive you know he he's on a crazy form you know he he uh he he was just a huge influence in this game got himself a goal again two goals in Especially the last game the i think teams. he has eight or nine goals now i mean he's been he's well just he, been he lighting scored it against up. chelsea scored in the last game against uh, manchester city even though they lost 3-1 and then he scored that hat trick at anfield so yeah, he's he's playing really well against like the so-called top six sides. Uh, he, he's one that I wouldn't be surprised if uh, like like Chelsea tried to sign him in January. You know, if like some other players don't look like they're available, just because of the Brighton link as well, and Potter obviously already knowing a lot about him, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened. He seems like the kind of second choice we would go for if like the Nkunku deal it goes is off or something. But yeah, that's enough about uh, Chelsea. We'll obviously get to a bit more Chelsea chat during that uh, preview of the Arsenal game next weekend. Uh, but uh, let's move on to this uh, big upset. Liverpool losing at home uh, to Leeds United. 2-1, a late uh, Crescencio Somerville uh, winner in the 89th minute. He's a 20 or 21-year-old uh, Dutch winger. Uh, and I got to say, he, Leeds are worth the three points. They, they had another one of those spells in the game, like 
they had against Arsenal, like they had against uh, Chelsea when they beat us 3-0, where they just kind of go, fuck it, our best chance here is going at them. It's like not being afraid, get up the field, press them and force them to make mistakes. So, uh, yeah, they're they're very much uh, worth the three points. And Jesse Marsh, I think, has gotten himself a little bit of breathing room where it seemed like if if this had been like a bad loss for Leeds, you would have started hearing much more, many more rumors about Jesse Marsh probably maybe getting the sack or something. Um, I, I, yeah, I was wondering what you what you thought of this game. Yeah, no, like you said, I mean, Leeds absolutely were uh, worth it for the win. They had a bunch of chances in this one. They, you know, seemingly outworked Liverpool at Anfield, and Liverpool had Robertson, Trent, yeah, Gomez, Van Dijk. You know, in their back line, I know Gomez is not like the first choice center back and made that big mistake for that first goal for Rodrigo, that back pass um, to Allison. And then Allison slipped, I think. Um, and it's just a calamity of errors there to, to let Rodrigo slip in there for a tap in. I think when that happens in the beginning of a game, when you just give away a goal from a from a absolutely nothing, it just really puts you on the back foot. Um, and you could tell when Salah equalized 10 minutes later. He didn't celebrate it that much. Like you could tell, Liverpool were just down. Like, you know, when they don't get the first goal at Anfield, it doesn't. It just feels like the magic goes out of the stadium, right? It doesn't feel like it's the 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 roaring energy and and power that it has at the beginning. Um, so I think that's the best way to silence the crowd is to get that early goal, and that's the, that's the key to getting a win at Anfield. Is you get the first goal there, you always have a chance, and then that that goal in the 89th minute, there were two kids that Leeds brought on. Um, one of them was making, I think both of them were making their debuts. Um, I don't know. I think Somerville played a couple of games like off the bench, but. Uh, yeah, he played and this, scored against like, Fulham the previous week. They brought they brought off Wilfred and Gonotto, the uh, Italian. Yeah, Gonotto. Uh, and he, uh, he, he had like a Gnonto. really nice, you know, beat a couple of defenders and then cut a ball back. Um, for, yeah, he started getting uh, caps for the Italian national team. Yeah, he like looked even before I mean, he signed he looked for Leeds, really, really, he was getting looks. He looked filthy when he came on. It was his debut, um, and he he had part in that winner. Um, and then Somerville had a beautiful move in the box. I think Allison could have done better for the uh, for the goal. He got a hand on it, and the ball wasn't particularly like well placed or like with super with a lot of power. I I really think he should have saved it. Um, and I think Allison's been a little bit. You know, not as good as he's been in the last few seasons so far this season. I know he hasn't. I, I don't know if that's cover, it. But yeah, I mean, I know I, I would agree with you that he you, you would expect him to do better with that winner. But I think it's just more of a like a credit to how good Allison has like has been. Like I, I can't really think of any other goalkeeping errors he's made this season. I just I, think, I think he hasn't been as good like at, in, at, at shot stopping. Like he's I, conceded I so many more goals this year. I mean, if you can give me a more comprehensive breakdown of like, you know, instances where, you know, he's been at fault for goals. Sure. I'll listen to it. But none of them really like come to mind right now that when I've watched Liverpool, the the defense has been a problem, not the goalkeeper. And I know the goalkeeper is part of that defense, but it's kind of like it feels to me more like he's the reason, you know, they're like with they're Chelsea, for worse. example, like when you guys were playing Mendy early in the season, you were leaking goals left and right. As soon as you switch to Kepa. Completely switches like what your backline looks like. As long as the backline changes, Mendy the has same, but. Mendy has more of the high profile mistakes that you can point to, like the leads giveaway for the first goal. There, uh, he's got way more of those, like over uh, a span of games. And 
and Allison, I, I, I can't. Can you think of one? I, I can't really think of another one. And that, even the one we mentioned, the winner against Leeds, I don't think that's like a huge goalkeeping error. I think it's just one of those ones you think, ah, damn, you'd expect him to do better with that. But I mean, you, you could look at all the defenders as well, just watching there as the ball yeah, like I bounces mean, in the Van box Dykes, for Bamford to knock it absolutely. down. Absolutely, Van Dyke's underperforming massively. Fabinho, just a lot of problems for Liverpool. And if I'm a Liverpool fan. Remember how we were at 6.5 panic? I think I'm starting to get to like 7.5. Panic being uh, over them not making top four for yeah. next season? Yeah. I mean, obviously the title challenge is gone. It's been gone oh, for weeks now. But I I mean, the way that the rest of the teams like Tottenham, like Manchester United, you know, before this game, like Chelsea, you know, were picking up points left and right. It's it it doesn't like you're, they're going to go left behind if they uh, if they get you know losing against Leeds, who were I think in the relegation zone before this, at Anfield. It, it felt like this was the game that they were going to win. You know, four one, three one. It just didn't happen, and it wasn't there. For Even two one. I I kind of thought it would be a tough one for them, but they would get the win eventually. Like, how many times can you think? There's been a 2.45 p.m. Eastern time in the U.S. kickoff on a Saturday. It's not very often. Usually the latest like uh, window for a Saturday fixture is that 12.30 p.m. one here in the States that kicks off at 5.30 p.m. in England. Like It was all the conditions for Liverpool to you know, just do whatever it took to win. Like nighttime game at Anfield, 8 o'clock on a Saturday – the whole the whole like stadium they've had all day to drink and be absolutely like just pissed as fuck for this game and and you know like hyped up for it and then all of the air goes out of the building like in the first like four minutes when rodrigo scores the opener we've brought up the fact last week during the nottingham forest uh loss recap how they haven't won a game in the premier league away from home this season you'd expect for them to make up for that by you know, winning most of their games at home. And they have done that for the most part, but it's when they, you start seeing that away form and uh, and the, the same bad performances when they go away, creeping back with them to Anfield, that, that's where you start to ramp up that panic meter a little bit. So yeah, I, I'm saying it's going up with every week that they drop points and it's not going to get any easier because uh, they're going to Tottenham next weekend. And uh, even when they've been playing at their best, sometimes it's a struggle and they, they draw at Tottenham. So they, they may, I'm guessing Tottenham will be favored in that one. Uh, but we'll get to that when we do the, uh, the previews for next week. Um, j- just a quick word about Leeds. They hadn't won in the Premier League since that Chelsea win, I think, in week three. The 3-0 win against Chelsea. They'd either drawn or lost the vast majority of their games. This is obviously like a huge boost to them. But what, what what do you think? Uh, like what, what have you thought of them this season? And like, where do they rank for you in terms of like relegation threatened teams? I know our whole predictions have been th- like thrown around. Oh, absolutely. From Fulham's pre-season. not getting relegated yet. Like they're more right, makes exactly. it look like they're going to be in a fight. You know, the, I think Leeds are just going to be in there in the in that fight till the end of the season. Um, I think they have a lot of attacking quality, but defensively they're very very thin in the midfield. They're pretty thin as well. You know they lost big players like Calvin Phillips over the summer, um, and uh, Rafinha, and you know both of those talents. The the players that they've brought in to replace haven't exactly hit the ground running. So, you know Rodrigo's kind of been the the breakout star this year, who's who's been carrying the team. But 
you know, he's been, he was and on Brendan the team Aronson. last year. You, yeah, you Aronson's been Brendan good, Aronson. but, but it's just, it doesn't feel like the, the goals and the, the, the star power that Rafinha had, have, has been replaced at all. And then that, that push, that drive in midfield, that, that metronome that creates chances for leads left and right. They just, they don't really have that anymore. Um, like you said, Aronson picks up some of that slack, but Phillips was just such a key part of that team that, you know, if they don't get relegated this season, I think that's huge because they yeah, they, would they, be they huge. had they had two huge huge pieces taken out of the team, and uh, I think they can build off the, a lot of the young talent like Tyler Adams, um, like Aronson. That you know, but they're going to need another season in the Premier League, and they're going to need more reinforcements. So, I think it was a great summer for them, investment wise, and the, some of the players they got. But they definitely need a lot more, and they might need a couple signings in January to to just kind of ensure that they don't get relegated. Because I think that they're right around 15th, 16th, 17th. You know, I don't think that they're going to be comfortably mid-table. Yeah, and I do just want to give a, a big round of applause to Elon Melier, who had nine saves in that uh, in that win at Liverpool. He's a beast, man. I'm telling you, uh, in a in a year or two, there's going to be a big team that comes in like Chelsea or Manchester United when they want a new goalie. They're going to come in for Melier for you know 40 million. He's, no he's, thanks. We've got we've got Gaga Slonina coming. He's six foot six. He, he already he's, he's about to start getting caps for the French national team. I'm telling you, it's Melia. Melia is going to be the uh, the next you know big goalie that uh, that uh, big team buys in the Premier League. Okay, let's move on real quick to this uh, Tottenham comeback at Bournemouth. They were down two nil after uh, forty nine minutes. Kiefer Moore had uh, both the goals uh, for Bournemouth. Uh, that's a player that uh, U.S. and England national team fans should be keeping an eye out for because he's probably going to start up top for for Wales. Uh, but Tottenham came back with a lovely goal from uh, Ryan Sessegnon in the 57th minute to make it 2-1 from a, a great through ball from Pierre-Emile uh, Hoiberg. And then they had uh, two set-piece goals in the 73rd and 92nd minute to seal the three points. This wasn't like anything inspirational from Tottenham. It wasn't Kane, Son, Inshallah. Right. It was, it was uh, for once they but... were, uh, they, they actually, it was Antonio Conte. His wingbacks getting involved in the play. Um, his midfielders coming in from deep and getting goals. I mean, I think Betancourt has been the player of the season for Tottenham. For me, he's been the most consistent player in this side. Um, he's been such a huge driving force for them defensively and offensively and popping up with goals and assists in, in big occasions. The guy's uh the guy's been an absolute monster and an amazing signing since the beginning of last January, since he came into the team. And uh I think for Tottenham it's a great sign. Number one, that they can go down two nil and come back. We already knew they could do that. But it's usually Kane or Son popping off, you know, for something like that to happen. For them to like get their wing backs and center backs and midfielders scoring to, to to get them back into the game, like it's kind of scary, you know, in the sense that if they can it is start, and it isn't because there there was I didn't think there was too much indication that it was going to happen. This is Bournemouth like, again. Like I know that they've had a pretty good start to the season and they were up two 0 in this game, but any top six side would. Still fancy themselves, I'm sure, you know, at halftime, down 2-0 at Bournemouth, just thinking, you know, we can we can turn this around. Not Chelsea. The Bournemouth just seemed to have our number. <laughs> if we were down 2-0 to Bournemouth at halftime, I'd think, up, oh, we're fucked. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I guess I guess I mean to say that like the the first goal from Tottenham, the one to make it two one, that was nice. That was like a beautiful through ball from Hoiberg deep in midfield to play in Sessegnon, and he you know runs in behind and scores. The other two offset pieces, you're just kind of thinking like, okay, they just kept plugging away, and that's that's Bournemouth a that's a, a valuable side, asset in so of itself for them to. They have the players like Billing and Moore, so getting goals offset pieces isn't easy. And uh, Bournemouth have had a decent set piece record, so. Did you see the winner though? Like Bentoncourt, like the ball, like no Bournemouth defender reacts to the ball, just like bouncing after the initial like corner comes in, and then Bentoncourt just smacks it into the, you know, basically a wide open net from six yards out. It's just kind of like if you're a Bournemouth fan, you'd just be absolutely like incensed by not one of the four or five defenders around that ball just putting a foot in and booting it out. Um, but you know that's the, that's the way it goes sometimes. I, I was gonna say. It was weird to see Antonio Conte when they scored that winner in the second minute of added time after trailing for so much yeah, of the match. Yeah, he was very pissed off. There was he no reaction. Left, there was no, he left the pitch. He usually, he's usually going like into the stands or into his pitch. bench and he hugging everyone. He left the pitch. He went down the tunnel. Yeah. He laughed and he like threw his hands in the air and went down the tunnel when they got the winner. Which is like uh, a calm Antonio Conte is more threatening than a you know a hyped up excited like 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 you would expect him to be at the, when that kind of goal goes in. I saw it many times at Chelsea, and we've seen it plenty of times for Tottenham. Maybe, maybe he was uh, he was scorned by that late uh, winner they thought they had against Lisbon in uh, midweek. It got you know overturned by VAR, but. Kane scored that goal, and that whole place went mental. So Conte probably saw they scored, and he just went, I don't even want to see what VAR does, and just walked down the the tunnel because he couldn't bear to see it chalked off again. That's what I would lean towards if I was a, a Spurs fan, because the alternative is is that he's just still not very happy with how things are going. But uh, it, it, I think that the timing of this kind of pulling this kind of results off is more important than the actual performance itself. They, they're just off a week where, you know, they've obviously lost, they had lost two games in a row in the Premier League. They uh, ended up with a draw against Sporting Lisbon, but, you know, could have had that late, like very emotional win. Uh, it's just kind of like, thank God they got the three points here. Because if they had dropped points here against Bournemouth, then all of a sudden, like the the real alarm bells are going off like they are for Liverpool with the two losses to Nottingham Forest and Leeds. So Tottenham live on uh, for another week. They've got a huge Champions League uh, week, probably the only group that really has anything uh, meaningful going on in the final match week of Champions League group games. Uh, Tottenham are in, let's see, they're playing Tuesday at Marseille. They are in uh, Group D. Sporting Lisbon will host Frankfurt in the other game. I just want to give this a mention. All four teams are two points apart. Tottenham are, are top so far with eight points. Lisbon are second with seven. Frankfurt third with seven points. And Marseille fourth with six. So Marseille could beat Tottenham at the Velodrome on Tuesday and could leapfrog them and go through. Tottenham could have no European football after Christmas, or they could be in the Europa League or the Champions League knockout round so it's all to play for in that group and uh that's one you should definitely tune into this week do you think they're going to do it javier do you think they're going to choke i think they'll get out of the champions league group yeah i think they will at marseille although marseille have a lot of uh motivation i don't know i think 
It's at the Belladrome. Come on, Javier. I thought you were going to bet your former Arsenal. They'll choke. choke. Alexis, Arsenal secret agents. Alexis and Guendouzi are going to score. They're going to come in. They're going to fuck Tottenham up. Alexis, hat trick. 5-0, Marseille. Don't forget, uh, well, I almost forgot, uh, Saeed Kolasinac also plays for Ah, yes. Kola God, 6-0. He'll come in yeah. uh, off the bench, <laughs> rip a, a left-footed shot into the bottom corner after Alexis got a. Could you imagine if we if we got an Alexis Alexis Sanchez hat trick to knock Tottenham out of the Champions League? That would just be. I, mean, I don't know how this apparently, season. Apparently, I've been reading Arsenal on Arsenal fans. subreddit that Alexis has been like hyping all of his teammates up because apparently, you know, he he still views his days at Arsenal very fondly, and he hated Tottenham. He always would score against them, so he's like, ah, we have to fuck Tottenham up. Put them in their place. It's not an easy place to go. So not I, I would, in the Champions League. I would uh, I would not be surprised if Tottenham went there and had a bit of a, <coughs> a little bit of a choke job. So let's move on though. Uh, Man United got a one nil win on Sunday uh, evening or afternoon uh, against West Ham. Marcus Rashford scored with a header in the 38th minute. I was kind of half watching this one. Um, I, I never really have that much hope when West Ham go to Old Trafford. I feel like they, the best they can ever manage there is a David draw. Moyes has never won at Old Trafford. Right, he's never. He has had a very never, long career away at Chelsea. He has had a Arsenal, very long career. United yeah. and Liverpool. He's never won away at any of those four teams. Wild for how, as long as he's coached in the Premier League specifically to have never won away at any of those teams is is a madness. Um, but yeah, I wasn't. I probably should have paid more attention to this. I, I think I was just so pissed off from like the the Chelsea result it. Saturday. It was, that it, was, it was a pretty decent game. It was a good, um, good back and forth battle. Ten Hag seemingly has found a good balance in the squad, um, and I want to give him credit because I think he's figured out a way to use Ronaldo and brought Ronaldo back into this team. Um, you know he's. For a while, it's dependent he, on their on who they're matched up with, though. Absolutely, but I'm saying for a, for a while he benched him, took him out of the team, didn't bring him on. You know, even when they, he could have come on to get his celebratory goals and stuff. He still, you know, keeps the the energy of the team and keeps the shape. And you know, when Ronaldo is is when the team is is made to to be played with him, then he plays him like he has in these last couple of games, like he played in this game. Um, but other times he he's benched Ronaldo, and I think it's come now to the point where you know it's it's Ten Hogs way or the highway, and I think it's going to be it's the first coach um, in a long time, um, or at least that that's come in you know since Ronaldo's been at the club that's that's told him like hey you know you're past it. You know, we're still you're still useful. We can still use you to off the bench and and in in games in in Europa and stuff like that. But you know, you're not going to have the main role in this team anymore. And United are reaping the rewards. You know, I mean, I don't think we after that start that they had where they lost four nil to Brentford. You know, they lost the first game. You know, they were bottom of the table. There were always memes about uh, this is Manchester United, and uh, hmm. you know, it looked like it looked this like is Manchester United. this is Manchester United. And it just it didn't look good for United. It looked like it was going to be a drag in the mud. And for them to be where they are now, 23 points from 12 games, it, it kind of feels a lot like their arsenal from last season. Like we started off really, really badly in our first three games and we went on a really good run for the next like 10 or 12 
10, 10 or so games, you know, like, like we're Manchester United are now. We had a similar amount of points to them now, similar goal difference. Um, and I think that they're going to have ups and downs, much like Arsenal did last year, where they're, you know, I'm sure they're going to have runs where they go two, three games without a win. But right now, things are looking good, you know. They're finding goals from from players like Marcus Rashford. You know, I know he's been really wasteful in the last few games, but he looked good in this game. He played alongside Ronaldo, and they started Anthony Alanga in this game. Who um, I thought hasn't he was done pretty many good. opportunities. Yeah, he, he hasn't, hasn't had many opportunities as last no, year. No, he hasn't had many opportunities. Um, but that Ericsson Casemiro Fernandez midfield, it's it's a, definitely a solid midfield, and it's seemingly. You know, Ten Hag is, is settling on that as his starting midfield. Um, and Harry Maguire started this game. He was pretty good. You know, he seemingly obviously wants to show his, his way back into the team, show that he's worth it for that England spot. Um, and yeah, I also got to give a huge shout out to Diego Dalit, who. Wait, uh, r- real quick on Maguire, real quick. I think Harry Maguire, it could be revealed that he was the one who killed Queen Elizabeth. And they would, it's, Southgate would still pick him for that World Cup team. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, we it doesn't matter so what Maguire does at this point. He could be as shit as he wants. He could be as good as he wants. Southgate's, he's all about Harry Maguire. Sorry, continue with your praise of Diogo Dalit. Yeah, no, Dalit, I think he's been Manchester United's most consistent performer so far this season. He's had a quiet, you know, quiet in the sense that, like, there hasn't been a lot of praise given it to him, but. You know, a lot of Manchester United's good defensive performances, especially in the last handful of games, has come from Diego Dalit providing some assists, um, you know, getting forward, but definitely defensively, where Wambasaka sometimes would do the defensive work, but not the, you know, not, not the attacking. It seems like the, he's found a balance in that team. And the, the four at the back, you know, not playing a five at the back. Martinez, McGuire. I mean, we thought with that injury to Varane that it was going to be a, a, a hard... I mean, I thought West Ham were going to be able to score on Manchester United, but they not that they didn't have a sniff, but, you know, only really Ben Rama was the one troubling them during that game. Um, they all seemed hell-bent on scoring from like 25 or 30 yards. Yeah, Skamaka and Bowen were taking pot shots. Right. It, 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 it wasn't like... It just it didn't seem like there was that much of an an offensive output. Um, you know, it did change a little bit when Antonio came on, and it got a little bit nervy for Manchester United. But United brought on McTominay and Fred, their two you know butchers, and and kind of sealed the game. Which for Manchester United, you you gotta love to see it. You gotta love to be able to, you know, number one have Jaden Sancho didn't even come on the field in this game. What well, what's going on with Sancho, Alex? Like you know he. Didn't even, didn't even get on the pitch in this. He's been fit. He's had two goals, one assist, 10 appearances this season. Now he's not even in the plans. Um, this is when Elanga, you know, Elanga started over him. And I don't know. I know that you were backing him to, to have a successful season. I, I would be concerned, and I am I am concerned as a, uh, a fan of Jaden Sancho since he made that move to Dortmund as a teenager. It's uh, not surprising to see Rashford, you know, get more opportunities as as a left winger. It's not surprising to see Anthony get the majority of the the, the starts on the right wing because they just spent huge money on him as well. But for Alanga to to get that nod ahead of Sancho, that that seemed like a message from 
Ten Hag after the, the Chelsea game last week, where Sancho, I'm not, I think he might have come off like just after halftime, but he was pulled like pretty early from the Chelsea it was game. He was pulled off. It was halftime. Half okay. Yeah. yeah. And he was pretty ineffectual in that game. And, and that was during the half of the game where United had more chances and, and looked like better. Sancho was invisible still. So. He, he seems to be, and I've seen this a lot of times with Christian Pulisic as well at Chelsea. I'm just drawing a link between two creative wingers from Dortmund who looked probably better in Germany than they have so far in England. Both of those players, they've, they've had uh, spells, not just of individual games, but multiple games in a row where they play and you might as well be playing with 10 men. They just can't get themselves involved in the game. They can't keep up with the pace of how things are going and get into positions ahead of where the play is eventually going to end up. And my only answer to that is that like they, you just need to play them more. They'll, they'll figure it out. We, we've seen too too many good things from a player like Jaden Sancho, even if it is in Germany. Uh, I know people want to like slander the German league now, but these players will catch up with the, the pace of play in the Premier League just with experience. Well, I, I, guarantee I thought the it. same thing with Nicola Pepe, Alex, and sometimes yeah, but that's, those like, that's, quick-footed that's wingers. That's yeah, but France. sometimes quick-footed wingers that are like, not necessarily like, I guess nimble is the right word. They're like, they kind of have thin legs and they like to do tricks. Sometimes they come to the Premier League and they just can't make it because they get chopped down and they don't get called fouls for, you know, little touches um, but that's not the stuff the that foot. I liked about Jaden Sancho. The, the stuff I've always loved about Jaden Sancho is just uh, his vision as a winger. He's always been brilliant in buildup of, you know, just playing a little pass with a first touch that you didn't even think was, you know, available or possible. I, I'm saying that he struggled to get himself into those positions to play those play those kinds of passes in buildup. The guy had countless assists in the Champions League as well as the Bundesliga. So I don't think it's a case of the, the, the you know, he was Timo also playing Werner with Erling Haaland. Or... True, but he was there before Holland arrived and he was still good before then. You know, there's it's been a lot of good, you know, creative players out of out of Borussia Dortmund. And I, I'm just I'm sure that Jaden Sancho will come good just given the opportunity. And if United want to let go of him, then I'll take him. I would take him on Chelsea still. All right, let's uh, move on from United. And uh, real quick, uh, Manchester City went to Leicester in the first game of the weekend, Saturday at 7.30 a.m., and they won 1-0 despite uh, Erling Haaland missing the game through, uh, I think, sickness. I think he had like a flu or something. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne had a beautiful free kick early in the second half to uh, seal all three points. That's got to be one that you're thinking you're a little frustrated by, you know. Since, I was. As I kind of thought Leicester could there. get something, especially seeing nil nil at halftime. And they kind of they kind of nil for out. the whole second half. They never they never really went at Manchester City. It was. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like you would you, normally you would see oh Erling Haaland's not in the lineup, and you're if you're Leicester you're at home. They've been playing pretty well recently. Hey, I listen, thought they, they would have. They stayed gone in the game the whole more. time, so I'm happy. Because if they had ever just caught a break, they could have gotten points off City. So good, good job, Lester. You you almost did it. I did say this was going to kind of be a close game because of Lester's good form, how well they'd been playing, and defensively they were really solid and kept City to to not a ton of chances. So Danny Ward was pretty good too. But you know this was this was definitely a, gr- a good defensive performance from Lester. I think they'll be happy that they can keep building off it. Yeah, at least they didn't this get won't derail smacked them. up. 
Yeah. No, definitely not. Uh, moving on, just to hit on some of the results throughout the rest of the weekend. Uh, Arsenal beat Nottingham Forest 5-0 behind a surprise Reese Nelson brace. Uh, he hadn't played in the Premier League before this uh, this week during this season. And uh, he was pretty much the match sealer for you guys. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about you guys in a second here for the previews. Uh, but moving on, uh, Brentford had a 1-1 draw with Wolves. Diego Costa finally registered the first red card of his Premier League career when he headbutted Ben Mee ah, in the 97th the old Diego minute. Costa. Hey, remember VAR and, didn't exist before? Now it does, right. Diego. Bye-bye. Yeah, Javier, Javier, Diego's the winner here because Diego knows full well that an automatic red card comes with a three-game suspension, which means the moment this game went to full-time, he was on the plane back to Brazil because he's not eligible to play until Boxing Day. <laughs> Diego just Costa. just wanted an early vacation. Galaxy an, Brain Costa. Fuck. Extended vacation Diego Costa. He, you know, man, he, he's a smart guy. People make fun of him, but he's a smart guy. <laughs> uh, and then the other games, uh, Newcastle had a 4-0 win at home against Aston Villa. Uh, Unai Emery still hasn't officially taken over uh, at Villa, but should at the start of November. Once his, uh, pay, once Weekly his Almiron screamer in this one. Oh, yeah. I still haven't seen the goals. I still haven't uh, seen the goals uh, yet. Almiradona? Almaradona, yeah. Almaradona right now, guys. If Almiron we can get, is in uh, the form of his life. Squ- I think if, it's five uh, weeks in a row scoring uh, screamers. If that Georgian winger at Napoli can get Cavaradonna to become a thing, then we can make Almiradonna. Cavaraskelia? Yeah, Cavaraskelia. But isn't his nickname Cavaradonna? That's what like, people yeah, started is. calling he's, him I mean, in He's uh, fucking unreal, too. God, I would Italy. love him on Arsenal one day. You could, a man can dream. Crystal Palace also beat Southampton uh, 1-0, and uh, Fulham and Everton played out to a 0-0 draw. Uh, but next weekend, the two... Primetime fixtures, both being played on Sunday. Chelsea-Arsenal, Sunday at 7 a.m., and Tottenham-Liverpool, Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Javier, how big of an Arsenal win are you predicting for this one? Get it out there. I know what you want to say. 3-1, Alex. I think we'll beat you fairly comfortably. I'm not really expecting... I think I kind of think Chelsea might have a mental block against Arsenal right now, especially after that preseason game. Um, I think the way that we manhandled you from start to finish was uh, something that's still going to be fresh in the Chelsea players' minds. Yeah, um, no, I, I would throw that out right away. <laughs> I don't think anyone gives a shit about a preseason game. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that and Arsenal's recent record against Chelsea. I mean, we've we've had really good record at Stamford Bridge recently. Um, and we've yeah we've always been able to get always results. in games though that mean more to you than they do to us. You know and we've always had like an FA Cup well. final. Uh, no, I don't know if it does because we still we haven't beaten like a top four, top six team so far this season. Our best wins are probably against AC Milan, who you know they're champions of Italy, but I don't think they're as good as any of like the top six teams in England. I think we need like we need a scalp before uh, this break comes along. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, off the back of, you know, uh, by the scoreline at least, one of the worst losses of our season, the 4-1 at Brighton, I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea came out and, you know, looked excellent in this game and either won it or drew. I think my pick pick is going to be a 2-2 draw out of respect to you guys. But I think this is a a perfectly winnable game for us. Okay, first of all, I mean, I guess you guys are going to rest most of your players in the Champions League. 
Yeah, we have a dead rubber think, against Dynamo Zagreb. You know, You're going to see Zurich teenagers play that game. I don't, you know, I don't think we're going to have to do too much to, to win the Zurich at home game. You, uh, you do, you do have to win that game though, because yeah, uh, Zurich are bottom of the group. They haven't scored a goal, and they're like minus fifteen goal difference. Like, it's, we'll, I'm just we'll saying, if they if they eke a draw and PSV win against Bodo Glimt, then PSV go through top, and you guys have to play one of the teams that drops down from the Champions League in a playoff game. Like Europa League, getting first place in the group now means something. So I, sure, I think you guys will. Sure, but like will... winning at Bodo is really hard, and uh, you know I don't even think PSV are going to get a win there. Um, but I think for this Chelsea game specifically, I don't know, man. I think, uh, like I said, I think Arsenal has Chelsea's number right now. I don't think you guys are on the best of form, and we're on the best form we've been in a long time. So it was the same reason why I thought we were going to beat Liverpool and why I thought we were going to beat Tottenham. So for but for Javier, for that reason, most of the time in the past. When it's been the opposite, you guys have come in and beaten us. Now you guys are, you know, flying high in your first place in mid-October or late October. Are you saying we owe you, Alex? Yeah, you know, someone else has to we be charity owe charity FC. FC. Yeah, it's time to pay the toll, no, the troll toll. we're not paying the piper. <laughs> You're playing the Stamford Bridge troll toll. <laughs> You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little grow a little hair on my chest. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say three two Chelsea. Obama Yang is gonna score against his former club. He has to. You know he has to. Uh, you're gonna score yeah, three uh, goals on us. Yeah, three goals against you guys. Well, so well, the only team to do that this season's been Manchester United, and they got very lucky to do so. So you would have to do something similar. Now Arsenal haven't won. Our only points we've dropped so far this season have been away from home. So, you know, you definitely have a chance there. Um, it's been a while since Arteta's gotten a win at an away top six side. And Graham uh, Potter loves to beat Arsenal. Yeah, he does. So He's always uh, got a nice little see. plan let's for see, Arteta. Alex. Let's see how this goes. Um, I think Potter's been tinkering too much with his team recently. He doesn't know his best 11. Arteta knows his best 11. Koulibaly is back, by game. the way. Koulibaly's that, back. That's all right, Alex. Uh, Koulibaly, Koulibaly got, left center back. Koulibaly is going to still have back. Orlando in his memory and uh, how we fucking Koulibaly was excellent. To the you, skin. you were texting me during that game yeah, saying Martinelli Koulibaly was your best is a player. beast. Yes, 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 yes. But, you, or, uh, you were literally hyping up Koulibaly via text. I have the receipts. Uh, all right. Let's get to the other game, the uh, Tottenham-Liverpool game. Do Liverpool have any chance in this one? Is the, the Spursiness strong still in Tottenham that they... Uh, Okay, Liverpool have been getting up for these big games, right? Like, it's been the... They, they went and beat yeah, Manchester they beat City. City. Um, but they haven't won away in the Premier League this season. Yeah, and I don't know why, but I feel like Liverpool are going to show up in this game. I think, like, losing to Nottingham Forest, losing to Leeds, it, it, it feels like it's... For Klopp, he's going to be fucking going crazy. You know, they're, they're you know, through in their Champions League group, um, you know... I think in first, right? Second, they have Napoli this week. Yeah, yeah they would have to be. Right. They would have to beat Napoli like three or four nil at home, that's which not, they yeah, could do. But happen, Napoli but are playing really well, so yeah. Um, well, we'll see how much that uh, they have to expend in that game. But Tottenham are going to have to make a huge expenditure at Marseille in the midweek, and I think that's going to affect them too. Um, and I kind of think Liverpool come in here and get a win. You know, I think Tottenham have been kind of. Wow. Tottenham have been coming by the skin of their teeth. Um, sometimes in these games, going down 2-0 to a team like Bournemouth. And 
while I think Tottenham can get away with it against shittier teams and they can come back, um, I think this is going to be a game where they give away, make a couple of bad mistakes and uh, Liverpool capitalize. So I'm going to say 2-1 Liverpool. Kind of surprise win. I think Tottenham are the favorites, but like slight, slight favorites. It's certainly possible, especially if you, you see a scenario where Tottenham, like if they do choke in the Champions League and, and go out and lose to Marseille, maybe like the after effects and the shock of going out in like a very winnable Champions League group would, you know, leak into the, the league game the following week. It's hard to get yourself like back up after, you know, that big of a failure. Um, and conversely, I could see them going through in the Champions League and then coming back and after having expended all that effort to, you know, get a win at the Velodrome, I think Liverpool end up just getting like a 2-2 here. Maybe they deserve Liverpool deserve to win it, but I, I think, you know, Kane and Son and uh, there's enough spaces opening up in that Liverpool backline right now that you think Kane and Son and, uh, and company will score enough that they can at least get a draw in this game. So I'll, I'll settle on 2-2 for that one. All right, well, we ran uh, massively over today, but that's okay because there's uh, plenty to talk about. I do just want to give you guys a little heads up. Uh, Javier and I have been working out the schedule. We've obviously been talking about this World Cup coming up in the uh, middle of November uh, a lot as part of our sort of Premier League uh, discussion. It's on everyone's minds. And uh, like we did four years ago, we're going to be doing a couple of preview pods. Now, instead of doing a pod for each individual group, we're going to be packing uh, two groups into uh, a pod uh, and doing four of those. So we'll be doing the Group A and Group B preview pod probably next Monday, November 8th, or sorry, November 7th or Tuesday, November 8th. Keep an eye out for that one. Uh, group A if, uh, you, and Group B, if you're not aware, guys, that's England and USA will be a part of that, uh, that preview. Uh, then later in the week, next week, probably around... Uh, Thursday or Friday, Friday the 11th, we're going to record the pod for Group C and Group D, the preview for the World Cup. Uh, and then continuing on to next week, we'll do the the last two preview pods the following week, uh, the week of November 14th. Uh, so keep an eye out for those. We're, we're going to throw in some uh, Premier League recap stuff, maybe a little bit shorter, just hitting on the, the really big games. So keep an eye out for those on uh, Sunday night, early Monday morning for the next two weeks. And yeah, we'll, uh, if we come up with any other sort of alternative schedule for once the World Cup kicks off, we'll uh, let you guys know. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, for Javier, his Twitter is at JavierRev9. And for me, my Twitter and Instagram is at ASMoss92. And of course, you can follow the podcast socials at GhostGoldPod. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and give us a rating and a review. Those help all these new listeners to find the pod, and we always appreciate when you guys can help uh, us grow this thing. Oh, Alex, I forgot to tell you one more thing. Michael Oliver sure. is officiating the Chelsea-Arsenal match. We win. Is that true? Why, why is that? It is Michael Oliver, because you know Chelsea no, fans saying, hate him. But, uh, he's, but he's, why, why do you win if he's officiating? Well, if Arsenal, it was Anthony Taylor, I would listen to you, but... He loves Arsenal. Yes. Does he? Gone. All right. All right, well, may the best team win next weekend. And until next time, see you.